Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. American Tennis. Every week at Wednesday, we come to you on the Yellow Ball Network, and uh, just thanks for tuning in, folks. I want to point out Randy Blumendahl's show, uh, Coach's Corner, on Sunday evening is darn good one. Tune into that one. Also, Coach John Denise on Thursday afternoons at 5.30 on the Yellow Ball Network. But um, I've got a lot to cover today, and uh, dang it, I wanted to be um, meaningful. I, each thing I'm going to talk about, I could go into very deeply, but I want to just start out by giving you a little uh, background of what's been going on this week with me. I went to the ITF tournament recruiting. I've been going to these ITF tournaments and uh, trying to look for young players. And uh, you know, I go to the qualifying tournament, and then I go to the first couple rounds and. Pretty much by the fourth or fifth round, you've seen everybody. And uh, but but here's here's the point. I, you know the matches that I watched at the ITF level, uh, they were good. They were credible. Uh, they were all matches where I go, whoa, here's what's going on and uh, the depth of it. You had war zones. You had tough points played like you always had, but the difference in the ITF event is that it was real tennis. It was full tennis. It wasn't (laughs) things that pop into my head right away. Should I say these right away when they pop into my head? It wasn't arena tennis. It wasn't bullwinkle tennis. It wasn't the stuff that we find so often when we play the 10-point tiebreakers for the third set and then we, we play the no ad scoring uh, the real tennis is still the most fantastic chess game out there. Uh, the battles, uh, I watched one, I was talking to my team yesterday about the different ways that there are to win and how when you 
construct points and construct games and construct a match, um, you have to change strategies sometimes. It's more about making the other player lose. You force the other person to lose. You don't beat people. No one can hit enough winners to just beat somebody outright unless they're two levels better. If if you're just one level better or one level before below, one level level ahead, one level below or you're even, you've got to play tennis. You can't just hit balls. So if you're two levels better, you're going to be able to just hit balls and beat somebody. And if you're two levels worse, guess what? You're just going to get out hit. But I'm talking when the matches are fairly close and they're credible, they're within a competitive advance, uh, competitive level that is close to you, you've got to play tennis. And the scoring system that we have had for 147 years has developed to de- it's it's developed points and players and that are credible. Uh, and I keep talking about the abbreviated scoring, and I was going to do a thing today on abbreviated scoring. I was going to do a program on abbreviated scoring and why it is so bad. Guys, coaches, players, parents out there, it rips your daggone heart out. When you see our game bastardized, it rips your daggone heart out when you see players not learn or no let me let me say this not have the vehicle to learn how to play tennis, how to play the great inner game of tennis, how to play the chess of tennis to to learn what the strategies are to de- learn to develop points. And, uh, you know, we, we've, cr- Oh my gosh. It just is, is a coach. I want, <laughs> we've been over this so many times and, and I don't want to go there today. I was going to do that program. And, uh, I was asking a good friend of mine, what, what I do. He said, no, no. He says, look, uh, you know, coach, he says, you've got so many good, vitamin pills for kids that you ought to you ought to go there and talk about that some but I wanted to tell you that everybody I talk it's overwhelming amount everybody wants to play the players want to play traditional tennis the coaches want to play traditional tennis nobody wants to play the no ad except guess what and I'm going to go out on the edge here the lazy tournament directors if you're lazy and you're a tournament director, you want it over with so you can go hang out, do something else in the evening. And and it's that simple. I'm not bashing. We need tournament directors. We need you guys to run tournaments. And uh, sometimes parents, if your kids aren't going to win and you're not seeing it, maybe you want to get out of there early or something. But, my golly, it just it just kills the kids' development. None of the kids like the 10-point tiebreak for the third set. How many matches I saw yesterday at the ITF where the underdog starts out and has a hot set and they'll win the first set, and then they they start getting beat and they're you know at about the second forty after forty five minutes or an hour into the match they start getting beat and there's nowhere to go their game is going down and there's nowhere to go with their game, and then the best player wins six one or six two in the third. 
But if they had a tiebreaker to play, the bad player can win the first set and then tank the second set and then just try to win a tiebreaker. You don't have to be the better player. So bad. So bad. USTA, you guys, what are you doing? What are you thinking? I mean, it, it, do, do you not care anything about player development? I, I just, it, it's its beyond belief what you're doing to, to our game of tennis. When you play this no-ad stuff or these 10-point tiebreakers for the third set. Anyhow, I, I, it's just, it's mind-boggling. And I don't care who thinks no-ad is a good thing. It does, it, It's awful. It's awful. The kids choke. At the wrong time, they don't learn how to develop players or don't learn how to develop points. They bastardize their own game in, in copping out and settling for short-term solutions, you know, to long-term problems. You know, and then guess what? Our kids aren't inspired by it either. It's just uh, it's too expensive. My friend, my friend was so mad this last weekend. He went to a junior tournament. Guess what? It rained. They had to go inside. Guess what? You know what? You know what those guys did? Four game sets, no ad scoring. And my friend told the tournament director, he said, "Well, I figured it out. We had to pay thirty-six dollars per game at this tournament. You know, that's what my son got out of it—thirty-six dollars per game. Guess what? Parents are getting smart. They don't want to pay that much money for their kids to play tournaments." It's just nonsense. What's the matter with you guys? It's it's just, but we've got to get people involved. We've got to get people to stand up, speak out. And that's my opening, whatever. My opening soapbox. I'm not going to call it my opening monologue because you guys, everybody out there has heard me talk for so long, and I'm going to battle this forever. The greatest game in the world is made to look like a cupcake eating contest. The greatest game in the world is being bastardized and dumbed down now to where we've cheapened it so much we've made chess into checkers. We turned fly fishing into cane pole fishing. We've turned concert piano into electronic keyboard. We've turned football into arena football. What are you guys thinking? Gosh, you USTA guys, man, you, you get, I mean, what are you doing? What what is I mean it's you you obviously are just trying to get some kind of quick fix and get somebody excited about this game. It's so stupid. College coaches uh, listen, eighty percent of the college coaches do not want no ad or abbreviated scoring. Absolutely hate it. But the the ITA, they're so wise and learned, we've got a Actually, a music director in charge of the ITA knows nothing about tennis, nothing about coaching. The board of directors is what? What? Only six coaches. They've got, what, 13 marketing people or people that are social tennis players. It's just a laughing stock. It's just awful. Don't care about the the learning of the game at all. All right, I better go to commercial. I've got to change gears here. When we come back, we're going to talk about mind mind vitamins for kids and vitamin pills for kids. And yeah, we do have the best game ever invented. We do.
It's not about uh, the reason we're losing numbers. If you go back, we've got several sleeping giants, whether it's high school tennis, whether it's small town tennis, whether it's the money we have to spend, we shouldn't have to spend, whether it's you and me not doing our part within our circle of influence and having more tournaments and teaching more kids, whatever it is, yeah, we're losing the numbers, but these uh, band-aids that the USTA, ITA, and you guys are putting on it is, or uh, those band-aids are not not going to work. Look, we'll be right back, and I'll be going with the real program here on Vitamin Kill Pill for Kids. Coach Chuck Creasy, and did you know my book, Coaching Tennis, is still one of the best-selling books out there to teach your youngster or for the competitive tennis player for you to look to the deep inside of the game and look to the mental and the emotional part of the game as well as the physical part of the game. Coaching Tennis, you can go to Amazon and get it. It's the best-selling coaching book out there. And it's been on the market for 20 years now. Folks, go to Coaching Tennis. Also, please stay in tune. We will have a coaching certification program in Marietta, Georgia, over Christmas time. And as soon as we got it ready, folks, you will hear about it on this program. Thanks for listening to American Tennis. Arthur Ashe said that uh, 
takes five years to learn how to play the game, ten years to be a champion. And I know that we are not that much in deferred gratif- or into deferred gratification and waiting for the product these days. But tennis is still the best sport out there, and it's like the violin of the band. It's it's the best instrument. It's the best tool. It's it's the best sport out there. How do we keep our youngsters in it? I've got some mind vitamins for the kids, and I want to sort of give you the loaded language or the mind vitamins to some of these. And I've got a whole list of these that I've collected over a long period of time. But number one, you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or with a loss. Um, I say this at the end of my program every week. It's one of my favorite, and I'm starting out with that. But basically, you've got to bring it all the time. Every day of your life that you go to do something, anything worth doing is worth doing well. You're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life. It has very little to do with a win or a loss. And there's lots of sayings out there like you're either winning or learning and all these. But lose, look, losing hurts. If you care, if you dare, the pain will always be there. Well, the pressure and the pain will be there. If you dare, if you care, the pressure and the pain will always be there. And uh, a lot of times the pain makes people run away from giving their best. And we've had this talk before about the difference between committed failure and the difference between uh, giving your best or when you do fail, after you give your best, whether or not you pull the plug. A little bit. You can't even pull the plug a little bit. You've got to address it again and again and again. And and for the youngsters, there's so much to that one that um, really, they. I don't know, you know, as a parent, I'm just telling you, when I watch my son play baseball or when my daughter runs and they lose, it's really tough as a parent, probably tougher than, as a coach to watch your team lose and uh, losing hurts and and it's tough and you take it personal. I try to address as you do two things about winning and losing. Number one is that you got to be a hundred percent of who you are. You got to be number one in the world of being yourself. You don't have to be number one in the world. You don't have to be number one in this tournament, but you be number one at being yourself. You bring all of you to the table and always, if you get in the habit of doing that, there's another saying, wherever you go, you take yourself with you. For years and years and years, wherever you go, you'll take yourself with you. Just uh, giving your best is a good habit to be in, but that's what it's about. Your comfort bears no fruit. Absolutely. Being comfortable. Feelings don't have a lot to do with anything. Feelings don't matter. That's why we... <laughs> We often say your feelings don't matter. Whoa, that sounds really, really hard. But but if you would look at it with kids' feelings, it's not about how they feel. Because guess what? Losing is going to hurt, but the pain goes for gain when you turn bad pain into good pain. You turn bad pain into good pain when you learn. You go back to the court when you lose. You didn't like your backhand, you work on it. Uh, if the pain is too bad, go out and run. Get through the pain. Turn the bad pain into good pain. But once you can embrace the pain, just like physical pain, once you learn how to embrace it a little bit more, you grow. You know, emotional pain is much harder than physical pain. 
we all would probably rather have physical pain than emotional pain. Emotional pain's tough. But when the emotional pain comes, we have got to, to just bad pain to good pain. That's what we've got to think. And the comfort bears no fruit. If you're comfortable, you're not growing. Everybody knows that. But we don't like to see our children hurt. We don't like to see our children go through it, do we? So we try to provide a comfortable situation. No, especially with the best players. As I said a couple weeks ago, if you have a player that has the it factor, they have it and they bring it every day, you've got to put them through tough times. And then once they understand that they learn through the adversity, they learn through the hard times, then they grow. But uh, please out there, look for the tougher coaches, parents, if your kids are getting yelled at, good, good. If they're getting yelled at, they're doing the wrong thing. I loved it a couple of weeks ago. I told you I, my son didn't lay out for a ground ball between shortstop and third base, and the coach comes out of the dugout, and he goes, hey, son. He goes, your mama will wash that shirt if you get it dirty. And I just love it. Because my son's learning. But if I go, oh, my golly, that was so hard on my son. Where in the world is self-esteem going to come from if the coach is not telling him he's good all the time? Look, it's okay, about, but about 11 or 12, let's get real. you got to be tough on kids. Comfort bears no fruit. It takes, here's one, all that it takes for evil prospers for good men to do nothing, I've always said that that's Edmund Burke from years and years and years ago the great philosopher Edmund Burke I used to start my program with saying stand up speak out all that it takes for evil to prosper is for good men good people to do nothing remember though always that a squeaky wheel gets the oil but if it squeaks too loud it gets removed I uh, don't like to see junk I don't like to see a waste. I love this sport of tennis. I absolutely hate to see it being hurt, hurt, and maybe it's going to get hurt really bad here if we don't change something. Of course, with the no-ad scoring and stuff, I hate seeing it get hurt. With that, I'm going to speak out. I, I guess I'm squeaking real loud. And maybe I'll get replaced from squeaking too loud. But daggone it, what do you do? You just stand around and bend over and say, thank you, sir, may I have another? Thank you, sir, may I have another? It's okay if you're destroying our sport. It's okay. Wait a minute. It's great that they're making it so short for little Johnny and Susie to play half sets. These abbreviated sets. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so long. To play then uh, regular scoring takes so long. Well, first of all, it doesn't. Do you know that? And I'm not going to go on this tangent, but do you know? And you can go. Uh, what is the guys? There was research done in the late 1980s about the length of no ad scoring versus regular scoring. Guess which one takes more time on the average? No ad because there's more three set matches because it allows the weaker player to win a lot more sets. Sure, it's more random. And I think it was one hour average, one hour and 16 minutes versus one hour and 21 minutes. 
And um, absolutely, there was research done on it. So what a big bunch of bunk. Yeah, yeah, squeaky will gets the oil. Folks, we need you to squeak out there. Parents, go to your tournament director and just tell them you would like to play regular, real tennis. You don't want to play arena tennis, bullwinkle tennis. Your kid, your youngster will not gain anything. We haven't shown any, any improvement in college tennis. Do you know now we only have two men that went to college and are in the top 100 in the world? That's Stevie Johnson and John Isner. That's it. On the women's side, I think just one. I think Nicole Gibbs, she's still in the top 100. That's it. That is awful, awful for the arena that college is. You know, college, the, foot, the World Series were on last week with baseball. Well, a big deal here in South Carolina was that two of the players, Pierce and uh, Jane Brady Jr., whatever the guy's name was, uh, I, th- I forget what is Brady Jr. Anyhow, that outfielder, Jimmy Brady Jr., Danny, what the heck? Sorry, folks, I haven't got it on the tip of my tongue. But they were both from University of South Carolina, so people were thrilled. Of course, you go to college and play baseball, you can go to the pros. You go to college, play football, you can go to the pros. Go to college, play golf, you can go to the pros. Why they play tournament golf? And players get better. Dual match tennis, you do not get better. No ad scoring makes you worse. Parents, you need to stand up and speak out. Always stand up, speak out. Address issues, not people. You can say whatever you want to say. But you are hurting your kids if you don't go to the tournament director and say, my youngster would rather play. We would rather play real tennis. If you win... The hidden things are so bad, too, that happen to uh, the hidden, uh, what do they call it, the hidden damages, the collateral collateral damage playing no-ad scoring is this. If your youngster wins a no-ad match or a tiebreaker for the third set, they do not have the confidence nor the right of passage that they actually one legit fair square. They don't get the confidence. The right of passage, they win a tiebreaker for the third set, ah, tiebreaker for the third set. Well, that's sort of a crapshoot. You know, that's sort of uh, whoever got hot for about five five minutes there. It's not really a real tennis match. And guess what? When you lose it, it doesn't bother you enough to make you want to go train. So we are com- talking about we were talking about comfortable being uncomfortable uh, is another one. You have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Well, regular tennis, real tennis, traditional tennis teaches you how to play the game. No ad does not. Honor the game and it will honor you is another one. Honor the game and it will honor you. I don't think that uh, the USTA – I couldn't care less whether you guys like me or don't like me. I couldn't care less. You've never helped. <laughs> you, they, you out there that are waiting for the USTA to help you, they're not going to help you. They're interested in building the bureaucracy bigger. They're not going to help you. You know, don't worry that, oh, they're going to hurt my kid if I speak up or something like that. They're not going to help you. They don't have any power over you. 
They can't keep you out of a tournament or something. They did that, you'd have a nice lawsuit on them. You've got to stand up and speak out and tell them to quit playing these abbreviated set. It's an abomination to the game. But if you honor the game, it will honor you. In the United States of America, USTA, you are not honoring the game. If you honored the game, it would honor you. What you're trying to do is market the game. ITA, you are not honoring the game. If you would honor the game, it would honor you. You're not. You're trying to market the game. You're trying to build your bureaucracy. You're trying to make some money. Shame on you guys. Oh, my golly, gee whiz, there's nothing more pathetic than, oh, I'm not going to say that one. But our leaders have got to honor the game. That's it. How about a few coaching vitamin pills? It's easier to tame a roaring tiger than to inspire a timid pussycat. So as a coach, as a parent, you've got this youngster that's always getting in trouble. Look, don't dumb them down. It's, in, it's easier to tame a wild tiger than to inspire a timid pussycat, a roaring tiger instead of a timid pussycat. The USTA and all your sportsmanship, this or that, we want nice little kids that don't compete well. Look, you have got to be a fierce competitor in this sport of tennis. It is the hardest. It's one-on-one. It's like wrestling. It's like boxing. Guess what? It's like match play in golf. It's not metal play. It's match play one-on-one. I wonder why our Americans don't do well at better at the Ryder Cup. They do well in metal play. Could be that match play thing one-on-one. But bottom line, tennis is one of the hardest ones out there. When you have this youngster that is living on the edge, you know, they say they got a big engine, but uh, they've got a big engine, but they don't hold on to the steering wheel. Years ago, I heard a uh, great thing from James Dobson, uh, focus on the family. He said, when you have a strong-willed child, mold that will, but do not ever break that spirit. Mold the will, never break the spirit of the strong-willed athlete. Yes, it will drive you crazy sometimes when you've got the strong-willed athlete and you're trying to tame that roaring tiger. Oh, you'll have them in your office. A lot of times, oh, you're always having to make them run extra. Oh, you're always having to discipline that child, that unruly child. In the end, though, that's the one that's going to be your leader. It's not the nice little kid that never says anything. It's just so polite. There's a saying also I tell my players, you can never do so many things not wrong that it ever adds up to being one thing that's right. You can never do so many things not wrong that it ever adds up to being one thing that's not right. There's a lot of, oh, darn, I messed up there. Oh, darn, I messed up there. But you have got in this sport of tennis to mess up to get better, to step up. You've got to mess up to step up. And that's it's just the way it is. It's easier to tame a roaring tiger than inspired timid pussycat. Guess what? There's some timid pussycat kids out there that that's the way they're wired. That's the way the good Lord made them. And I'm not trying to I, – I would never say – to try to turn them into roaring tigers. And there's ways for them to be excellent as well. It's just going to look a little different. But inside, there's got to be some fight 
in the person. There's got to be something that makes them want to succeed. There's got to be something that makes them want to hate losing. You only win in this sport to the level that you hate, you will hate not losing down to. When you hate losing enough, you will learn to win. It's that simple. Now, think of how this hurts us if the parents don't make the transition from, uh, oh, just have fun, Johnny, just have fun, Susie, just have fun, just have fun. Then about 11, your youngster is working hard, working hard, and they lose, and they go, whoa, this really, really hurts. You just said, oh, just have fun. Well, it's not fun to lose. About 11, 12, 13, your youngster will go through a change in hormones and a change in life and a change in their outlook, and they'll, they'll understand pressure for the first time. You remember when you're 9 or 10 and you do double flips off of the diving board? Do you remember 9 or 10, you hunt for snakes under rocks, and 9 or 10, you go and you, these are things we used to do. <laughs> I can remember making these big old ramps for my bicycle when I was 9 or 10, or even 11. Uh, make these big old ramps with, I'd get these cinder blocks, and I'd get some boards, and I'd go roaring down the, the alley on a bicycle, go up that ramp, fly through the air, crash, roll. We go, whoa, whoa. And we thought it was great fun. Then you get to be 12, 13, you go, whoa, I do that double flip off the diving board. That hurts when I land on my back. Whoa, wait a minute. Those snakes don't always look friendly that you find under the rocks. Whoa, wait a minute. When you're kids, you don't understand the pressure nor the consequences of most things. So, yeah, we direct them. But really around puberty, a lot of things happen, don't they? I had a mother once say, you know, I, I woke up one morning and my son was like an alien creature. I didn't, I didn't, he didn't, I didn't, he, the way he acted, I didn't even know who this guy was. It just happened overnight, 15 years old, of course, and stuff happens like that. But as you're, as you're, as a parent or as a coach or as a teacher, just understand that when the pressure comes, when the pressure comes, if they dislike losing, it matters a lot. That's okay. They'll just have to turn bad pain into good pain. But look, I agree until you're about 9, 10, 11, have fun, have fun. That's, that's fine. Learn how to learn how to deal with the winning and the losing. But the worst thing ever is to not allow your child to hurt at all when they lose. Pain engages the brain absolutely, and emotional pain does the best job. Emotional pain is not bad if they'll turn the bad pain into good pain. Emotional pain's bad, though, if they withdraw energy. Oh, here's a good one, a coaching cue. Keep fog on top of the mountain until the kids are too high up to turn back. Whoa, I told somebody here recently that the hardest thing that we have to do nowadays is to get our kids to not look at the internet and to size things up, to not size things up. It's the hardest thing in the world. Some things are, you know, the, 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 the journey in tennis, the journey to be a good baseball player, the journey to be a great student. How about being a parent? Parents out there, would you rather, would you really want to be a parent again if you knew how hard it was? Yeah, well, I, you know what? The love is much better. The joy is much better than the pain, we take that risk, don't we? Don't we, as parents? 
But would you re- really go through all this stuff if you had to look, if you could look look ahead back then and see how hard things are? Well, I always tell coaches, don't expose the kids to too much too soon. This is what happens. Parents, when you overschedule your kids and you play them up all the time, you play them up in age group and they're not winning and they keep getting smacked, you keep thinking magic's going to happen, that isn't the way to do it. I tell coaches, keep fog on top of the mountain until the kids are too high up to turn back. And what that means is give them little glimpses of how hard it'll be, but for the most part, there's no bad win in tennis. Keep them winning. Keep them winning. Oh, Johnny Wooden here. I've got a coaching one. This was one of the first sayings that I ever read out of the book. You call They call me coach. Live as if you'll die tomorrow. Learn as if you'll live forever. Good one, Johnny Wooden. Your circle of influence is right in front of you, regardless of how big your circle of concern is. That's more of the parents and coaching. All of us have a big circle of uh, concern when we get older, don't we? We're looking at the whole world of things like this scoring thing. Am I the last one out there that is really fighting no ad scoring? I don't think so. I've got to be making some waves somewhere. I know you, you listen to this program. You don't like no ad scoring. Don't put up with it. You don't like 10-point tiebreakers. The third said, don't put up with it. Don't believe this stuff. It's to save time. That's the stupidest thing ever. There, uh, go back to my program in October 31st, excuse me, January 31st, 2018, if you want to know the real reason why they are doing this. Nasty, creepy, crummy got me wrong. Why are they doing this? It's awful what their real reasons are. But don't put up with it. So my circle of influence is really big. The whole world of tennis, I realize this is the stand where we need to take it right now. If you don't, after four or five years, there's not going to be a parent out there that complains. There's not going to be a kid out there that hasn't played three or four or five years of no ad scoring. They're going to have what they want. They'll probably push it into the pros. For hype, for marketing, and in look in college, the marketeers. They want a they want a little circus that comes to town and looks like it's important, but nobody really accomplishes anything. They're into entertainment over education. Look, though, we gotta take care of our circle of influence. It's the circle of influence is the people right in front of us. I've got to do what I can with the coaches around me. I've got to do what I can with the players around me. We haven't played one bit of no ad in my team this entire fall because I want my players to learn how to play tennis. They don't go through the mental processes or the emotional processes, the tough tough war zones or anything if they unless they play a stupid silly stupid no ad. Moving on here, my circle of influence is the people right in front of us. Circle of concern is big, but let's take care of our circle of influence first. Whenever we champion the weak, we weaken the real champions. Ha, that's really a good one. Participation. USTA, you guys need to separate participation from performance. You know, I know you don't want to call anybody participation people, but that's what they are. You can't 
you look, social tennis after third is after 35. Uh, you know, that's tough to be the weekend warrior and understand your career is gone. But after 35, 35 and overs or 40 and overs and senior tennis and all that, that's participation tennis. It really doesn't matter. It's You're doing it basically really to keep people moving and keep people in the game, maybe to collect some USTA dues too, I guess. But for our juniors, never should be weakening what we do when we play no ad and that is whenever we champion the week, we're going to weaken the champions. The most valuable thing that any young tennis player needs is not a forehand, backhand serve, running, anything. It's the hunger of an inquisitive mind. The hunger of an inquisitive mind, that's Clarence Mabry, 1980, National, USTA National Teachers Conference at the Roosevelt Hotel, New York City, in August 1980. The great Clarence Mabry, the coach at Trinity University, the most valuable thing that a tennis player needs is the hunger of an inquisitive mind. Wow. All youngsters learn, study the game, be a student of the game. That's how you get good at this. There's no magic Coach can't show you any magic. It's not a magic racket or anything like that. There's no motion without emotion. Oh, golly, we're getting dumbed down. I mean, 1984, you know, little brother, little brother of the cell phones. Wow. A couple months ago, I think I brought up that you know, my son sent me an article. Uh, he reads a lot. My son, Clay, he's a pretty awesome human being, and he reads a lot, and he told me, Dad, they figured out that they cannot program a machine to act like a human, so they're trying to program humans to act like machines. And we're all addicted to our cell phones, and we're all basically, we've never had more communication, but we've never had so few relationships, have we? These cell phones are awful. We had a program on last week and the week before about the damage of cell phones go back and listen to that but there's no motion without emotion you don't have emotion without other people involved the hunger of an inquisitive mind having other people involved critical you only learn to the level that you okay let's see when you hate losing you learn to win I've already said that one okay I got a coach couple coaching things here for the coaches and these are vitamin pills or vitamins for the competitive youngster okay even the strongest and most wild stallion wants offensive wants fences discipline to be compliant this is the thing that we do a lot of times there's a strong uh a what we want to say a roaring tiger and they don't want to be a pussycat, so they're out of control a lot. But even that strong wild stallion seeks out discipline and structure in their life. You must give the strong stallion some fences. Now, guess what? You don't put him in a corral. You don't put a harness on him and blinders on him right away. A little bit at a time, you give him some bigger fences. But he wants to know where those fences are. Even the strongest stallion still wants the fence. You've got to be a strong parent, a strong coach. If you've got a wild stallion as a youngster, they're going to, they're going to be a champion. They're going to be like a 
Baker Mayfield, Brett Favre, they're, these guys are, are going to be something special. But they've got to have the discipline around them. I always tell kids, don't get mad, get better. I tell them, honor the game, it will honor you. I always tell youngsters, too, that, you know, we can lead a horse to water, even if you're a stallion. You cannot make him drink, but I can sure make you miserable while you're not drinking, Bubba. I'll sit you out. When you sit out a a tough, tough, wild stallion, it kills them to sit out. They hate not playing. They hate not being in the game. So it's just harder and harder. It's very hard to coach the strong-willed athlete, but the strong-willed athlete is the person you champion. The world promises you buckets of rhinestone, but God gives you the chance to make one diamond with your life. How good of a statement is that? How good is that? Along with that, talent plays big at times, but you'll never see it playing in the big time. A lot of times the pretenders, the person that is a showboat, the person, we're talking about stallions. You've got stallions, plow horses, and show ponies. The stallions, the stallions will get the job done when the money's on the table at game time. The show ponies, the show ponies play big at times, but you'll never see them playing in the big time. The plow horses, listen, the plow horse that's loyal, hardworking, you keep them, you work with them, you let them be part of your team, you keep them around to build the program, but in the end, you want people around. You don't want the show pony. You want the stallions and the plow horses. You take those anytime. The show ponies aren't going to get it done. The show talent of the show ponies plays big at times, but you'll never see that in the, in the big time. Wow. A couple quick ones here. My friend told me yesterday, the tongue weighs very little, but very few people can hold it. That's a good one. He who throws dirt loses ground. Woo, that, that, that's a pretty good one there. Yeah. There's nothing more pathetic than small people in big positions, people that are self-serving. Wow, that's a tough one. Too much is given, much is expected. Oh, the curse of the Spider-Man. You know, so often I'll get a talented player that doesn't uh, really put everything out there, and they hold back, and they don't go all in. And uh, they sort of are, I call them cafeteria competitors. Usually I say, oh, you got the curse of the Spider-Man. I say, what, what, coach? What, what's that? I say, with great power. And they go, oh, comes great responsibility. Yeah, curse of the Spider-Man. Remember the first show when the youngster found out he was the Spider-Man? With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, that's what his uncle told him, I think, before his uncle got killed. But the bottom line on the thing is talented people didn't ask to be talented. A lot, a lot of times they're not going to like it at first. It takes time to grow into being able to grow into the responsibility of that talent. I always tell parents this, too. Remember, doing the right thing, or coaches, doing the right thing is not natural. Most of the time people will be a little bit lazy, not work hard, not have deferred gratification. It takes time to grow into the responsibility, just embracing the responsibility of your talent. That curse of the Spider-Man is 
is really, really something. Is really, really something. I want to give you a couple of great Mott's Velander quotes too. A couple of vitamins here. This is uh, we're talking about pain one time, and he he was giving this talk, and he said, "Listen, the quality of your pain is more important than the quantity of your pain." In other words, I think the question was how much, how long should it take you to get over a bad loss? And he said something like, "The losses always hurt." But he said, try to turn bad pain into good pain, and the quality of your pain is more important than the quantity of your pain. thought that was a great one. The other, th- the other one that I've used very, very often that was his quote was, on practice days, your side of the court is your concern. On game day, your focus should be on the other side. And I've always said that on game day, you are the constant, your opponent's the variable takes a long, long time for a youngster to, to learn that one. It's just just the way that that is. Look, a couple things I'm going to leave you with today, and, and one is you got to give your youngsters, and if you're a player, you've got to have freedom to fail. And, and um, you know, you do ten things, ten aggressive mistakes to get one thing right eventually, if you don't go for things, you get 0% right eventually. That book, The Talent Code, is so good. If you're a parent, go out and get that book. You've got to have freedom to fail. It is the biggest thing is that you've, you've got to it, – It's um, this is a good drill to do. Remember this. If you can, when something goes bad, say, this is good because, and then answer it. I lost today. Okay, this is good because there's nothing good about it. I hate losing. Well, this is good because, oh, God, my backhand broke down. Oh, this is good because, oh, guess what? I didn't work on my second servant. Oh, this is good because I wasn't in good enough shape. And then you can go through that threshold moment that we talked about last week and the week before, the threshold moments where you can answer the question, this is good because. This is good because. And, oh, man, I wish I had more control. I wish I had more control over the bigger platform. There's no way in the world. You know, if I was, hey, look, I'm going to give a challenge. USTA, if I were were you, I would ask me or people like me, Wayne Bryan. I would use Wayne Bryan, that guy, as a genius and you know he is, you need to use him. And I would use anybody out of any of the outliers and get your great ideas. The problem with bureaucracy is you start making rules and you make regulations. And the problem is that rules and regulations never keep bad people from breaking rules. ITA, are you listening to this? Rules never keep bad people from breaking rules. We had a coaches meeting earlier this summer, and the guy got up, and all he talked about was how many people were cheating. We're going to make another rule for the coaches. And I've spoken like an administrator, not coach talking like a coach, anybody that – and they go, but I, I think I said at that time, rules never keep bad people from breaking rules. It only stimulates the level of deviance in bad people. But rules do hamstring, handcuff, and put the governor of the engine on good people. Too many. Basically, good people are going to do the right thing, and they're going to work hard. 
you cannot box people in. You've got to give them the freedom to make mistakes. And I got, oh my golly, I've got a whole booklet of things here that I've accumulated over so long. And uh, most of these are, I've heard them from somewhere, and many, many, many of them are mine. I'll give you a close up here. I'm going to give you three that my mama used to say, what is this one? Don't you take any wooden nickels. Huh, huh, wonder what that one is. I think that no ad scoring is a wooden nickel. Don't take any wooden nickels. Third set tiebreakers are wooden nickels. Six games set for doubles, laughable. That's a wooden nickel. Folks, don't take any wooden nickels out there. What was this one about? My mama told me, soap is cheap and books are free. Never be dirty or dumb. Huh, okay. Trying to say something there about keeping your own house good and no, not making excuses. You know, bring your best every day. <laughs> best ever, though, is, and folks, everybody out there, good Lord gave you, even though the world has promises you buckets of rhinestones, good Lord has given you one chance to make a diamond with your life, and that youngster in front of you is your circle of influence. I know your circle of concern is big, but that circle of influence, use it with that person in front of you. And I'm out of town. I will be back next week. You're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or Come